What's up, guys? Welcome back. This week's episode was amazing. I had the opportunity to talk with Mark Scott, who is an MBPA agent and founder of Crown Madison. Mark and I talk about his intro into football, his recruiting journey, and the false expectations of playing at the collegiate level. We spent some time talking about how his time at SC State University changed the trajectory of his life and how that experience helped him restructure his priorities when it came to pursuing football at an elite level. We talked about the pain of losing your identity in sports and what Mark did during that time to find a new passion and direction for his life. One thing he said that I absolutely loved was my goal changed from being a high-level player to a high-level professional. We got real and talked about how feeling like a failure during this time of transition and what to do with that pressure of feeling like you have to answer this question. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? Mark also gives insight into how he turned his pain of not achieving his dreams to go pro into a new passion of helping athletes transition into life after sports with confidence. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friend. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post-sports, gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. So I would love to start off with the beginning of your story. What was your, you know, what sport did you fall in love with? How is it intertwined into your childhood and kind of um, growing up into you getting into college and wanting to play at that level? Yeah, so funny enough, my first love of sports was basketball. It still is, actually. Um, I'll tell you, I became a football player late in my life, but I love basketball. My dad was a player. My older brother was a player. And my dad became my coach maybe sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like middle school. Um, one time, you know, I look up to my brother still. He's just one of those athletes that was just, like, good at everything. Pick up a baseball for the first time, hit a home run you know, golf swing is great. So he signed up for this uh, little league uh, team here in Brooklyn, New York called the Brooklyn Skyhawks. And just naturally, my mom asked me like, hey, I got to take him across town anyway. Do you want to sign up? And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, so I had to go like after basketball practice, went to football practice. I sucked first day, you know, it was just a new sport. I was a very lanky kid. And I just, you Can't know, relate. you know, <laughs> you know, you 12, 13 years so you're going through like pre-puberty or whatever uh, yeah. the scientific definition is. But I loved it. Like I just loved it. And it was a little bit easier from the corn. Once I got the coronation down, it was a bit easier to play. So I started playing football around, you know, 12 all the way up through uh, my first year of college. And um, things didn't work out on the back end, but I really loved it. And then now I work back in basketball. So it came like full circle. I love that it came full circle for you. Yeah. How did you 
I mean, you, I mean, essentially, I think we talked about this on another call, but you identified with the sports that you played growing up. What made you want to continue to play football and, and what, what made you want to play at a high level? Um, I just loved, you know, we, we talked about this, like sports becomes your identity, you know, like I'm an athlete. I was always tall. I was also always athletic looking, um, love gym class even before, you know, organized sports. And um, I just liked, you know, watching, it, it was like a big thing. We're Knicks fans. I'm from Brooklyn. We're Knicks fans. So like some of my fondest memories were just like Michael Jordan beating us in the playoffs and I just remember our family just like bonding over sports. Even my mom, she didn't really play, but like she was into she was into the games. Anytime she um, recorded our games, you could hear her screaming. She understood the rules of football, the rules of basketball, good game, bad game. So I think it was definitely entwined into my identity. Um, like I said, my brothers play. My younger brother, he played baseball at a high level. Um, just an athletic family. And I just, you know, kept the tradition. And then I just started to look up to players, look up to teams, following, doing research on stats in the newspaper. I know that sounds archaic. but <laughs> I love it. Vintage. Right. <laughs> Vintage, <laughs> right. Like um, looking up stats and just, you know, getting down to the storylines. I know the NBA and the NFL do a good job of like telling us more about the stories and more about the causes of these players. Um, so just all intertwined in my life, to be honest with you. Did you have a specific point in high school or or maybe just before going to college where you realized that you wanted to attempt to play in college or at that level? It was around 10th grade. Yeah, when I when I started to again, I was considered a late bloomer. I started playing football late. But when I started to get like accolades and like starting games and like being in the game plan, I was realizing like, oh, OK, like I can do this. I like to do it. And I could do this at a higher level. Obviously, you know, at 15, you just saying I'm going to the NFL, right? You don't you don't realize what that is. But, you know, I had high dreams and I just thought, um, you know, the seniors will leave and go to college and then come back and tell us like, hey, I'm playing at this school. Hey, I'm playing at that school. A scout came to this game. So you start to get into that. Like, I could do that. And like you try to compare like, hey, I used to play pretty good against this dude. Another coach from another team, you start getting accolades. We didn't really have social media. In when I was in high school between 2003 and 2007, um, it would start like Max Preps was getting big like that. And then around the city, you know, I was getting like some city awards and some city honorable mentions. And I was saying like, OK, like I, I know at least I have another step after uh, senior year. So I just started to just vis visualize, you know, that next step. What did your recruiting journey look like? So we went to um, there was like a senior bowl. Um, I, I was always at our games. Again, I'm from New York. At our games, we were always getting the local Rutgers. Um, this is the time when I was in high school, Ray Rice was at Rutgers. Um, you know, we would get the local, you know, local teams, Rutgers and um, a lot of Jersey schools. Um, Hostra had a had a program since has been defunct. So I was getting a lot of those. But again, at the time, I was just like so D1 focused. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, our coaches and our culture put a lot of like if you d1 or nothing you know so i was kind of ignoring the d3s i had a senior bowl my senior year where one of the volunteer coaches was um an assistant coach for Keene university it's in it's in new jersey and he was just like scott my last name he's like 
what is he, he asked me the question you just asked me like what is what's your recruiting journey did you did you sign did you do this and i was saying no i'm going d1 and he's like oh really where and i was like i don't know yet but I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen okay right so he's kind of <laughs> like i'm bro i'm recruiting you but i'm just like um he even told my coach my coach talked to me like hey he went to he's really really interested you know that's what a coach is supposed to do right but i kind of just ignored i had a lot of like division three level division two um i think i had one interest letter from like liberty university but nothing came of it but it was a lot of interest from like d3 and i and I, in hindsight i agree with that assessment i was a d3 d2 level player Right. It's so hard to see that when you're in the moment though, and, and you want something so bad and you, you still have that chip on your shoulder. Cause you haven't really experienced any hardship yet when it comes to your sport, you're used to being on the top, you know, all these things. So where did you end up playing? So I went to South Carolina state university. It's in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Um, the origin story of that again, delusional Mark, uh, 16, 17, 18 year old. Uh, my dad's from originally from South Carolina. And I just literally like was looking up uh, Division One. Uh, I think it was called Division One A at the time. Um, okay. Schools in the South. I kind of like wanted to leave New York and just play high level football. So I went to that school to be a walk on. You know, I spoke to the coach maybe one or two times, and of course, a coach is going to say like, "Yeah, if you want to walk on, and you're going to be a student, of course." So you know, my parents were just very happy. For one, I, I'll be remiss to say like my parents were happy that I wanted to go to college. Um, I had good enough grades. Um, at the time, you know, I wasn't an A student, but I had good enough grades to at least go to college. And my brother had went to the Marines. So they were just kind of, you know, happy. They were very supportive to this day, supportive of everything I do. Um, so they were just happy I wanted to go to college. So they were just like, okay, you want to go to the South Carolina school? Um, let's go take a visit. Went to take a visit, spoke to the coach. And I'm sure, you know, as an athlete, I'm 6'4". I was at the time like 210, like really good shape, high school shape. He's like, of course you can walk on, you know, that's what a coach is going to say. And I think the coach yeah. is still there, actually. Um, I think Coach Buddy. Um, what a name. Coach Buddy, right. Coach yes. Buddy. Coach Buddy. <laughs> um, they they won the MEAC, I think, last year or something like that. Congrats to him. Um, so I, I, I enrolled in the school. Again, as, as all the athletes listening to this, they're like, wait, you enrolled without any type of letter of intent, any type of commitment. All I needed was... Yeah, of course you can play. I'm interested. I told him I play wide receiver. I play defensive end. I play a little bit of quarterback, uh, which was all true. I didn't. I didn't lie to him. So then it's time for you know the walk-ons can, can practice with the team, and he's like, "You can play, but can you play?" And that was like the the start of like I had a lot of irrational confidence before that, but the way he said it and how he said it was kind of like. Yeah. So what do you, what do you mean? He's like, well, your clearinghouse, your grades, this, like, this is an academic university. Like this isn't a summer camp. Um, <laughs> Dang. So okay, I'm like, buddy. Hmm. also too, I don't know if he probably doesn't, he probably talks to millions of kids. This was over 10 years ago. He changed the trajectory of my life and what I do now. Cause I needed someone other than him to pull me to the side and say, bro, like this is a business you can't just walk in. It's called a walk on, but there's a lot of other things that go on, to, go into that. And he told me that and he asked for my grades. Um, I had to go get my transcripts, get them sent from New York. 
But in the meantime, he was saying, you know, you could work out. But I took that as like, not a rejection, but just that's when the doubt started to seep in a little bit. Right. Right. So in concurrently, I'm, I'm like kind of doing practices with the team, but my grades are slipping because I'm so focused on one of these grades going to come back from New York. Am I going to be able to play? He was subtle, but it was so direct to me. And that's how, exactly how I heard it. I heard it as rejection. I heard it as like a doubt, like, wait, what do you mean? You know, and then as athletes, we all have a bit of an ego. I'll just speak for myself. I have an ego. So I'm like, what do you mean? You know, I'm better than, right. I'm, I'm from New York. I'm better than X, Y, and Z. But what he was saying is like, you got to get, you know, you got to get your your, your affairs in order, basically in the South. That's how they say it. You Mm -hmm. know, you got to get your affairs in order. (laughs) And, um, what, what, what turned into like a seed of doubt, you know, spiraled into now my current grades weren't good. So not only am I waiting for grades from high school, which in hindsight probably took five business days, if that. Um, and then they had to go to the the office and, you know, my mom was helping me. My dad was helping me like with that, the, the administrative side, but my grades are, are, are slipping as well. You know, so, I mean, as you know, eligibility is a big thing. Like I wasn't a five-star recruit that can be like, hey man, like we'll figure it, we'll get you a tutor and stuff like that. It was just tough for me. So, you know, I did some practices and um, I, I never got a chance to play at their school. I never, I never got a chance. What did that do for you? You know, it was tough. And it's funny because, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I still like every time if I watch a, you know, a game or something like that, I'm like, yeah, you know, I used to be pretty good at football, you know? So it's like, it, it's obviously a missed opportunity for sure. Like missed opportunity. But again, if you'd asked me that five years ago, who knows my answer, but like now the work that I'm doing with athletes, helping them with their transitions, helping them like just being that, I, I call like the work that I do, like that older brother, you know, anyone mm-hmm. that has an older sibling, that's just like very honest with them because they love them. Like, Hey, this was me. Don't make that mistake. Yeah. You know, even now, you know, I walk in the street. It's funny. Like I'm still relatively um, athletic. People are like, yeah, I used to play football. I used to play basketball. And I'm like, I used to. So I was still trying to get workouts in like the tri-state area. Um, I had some coaches, still local coaches that were trying to like make calls for me. But it's it's hard when you're not enrolled and you're not in high school where you like I at the time I couldn't send my high school tape. It, it didn't work like that back then. I don't know about now, but back then you couldn't just after you're out of high school, your coach is coaching the other 50 some odd people. There's only so much things your coach can do for you. So it was very tough for my again going back to the identity, I always identify myself as an athlete. And now I'm kind of like a civilian. I know that sounds dramatic, but that's, that was what was going through my head in my early twenties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how I was feeling at the time. It was tough. What happened to your identity? Um, you, you start to feel for me, you start to feel, and I talk to athletes about this all the time. You start to feel like you failed. Even though knowing the numbers now, you look at NFL, Major League Soccer, the Olympics, any of these major leagues, women's sports, men's sports, it's very, very hard to get to this level. And that's not even talking about Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. But I didn't see it like that. I only saw the negative part. Like, I did not hit this goal. Right. You know, when you go to prom, when they write in your yearbook, you're telling everybody, good luck in, in the NFL. Good luck at this college. Good luck in the NBA. And you come back home a couple of years later and it's kind of like, 
damn, you were good. People almost look at you like, yeah, you were really good. Even though they're just saying it to encourage you, well, you hope. But I just took my identity as like, I'm a failure. Like now I got to focus on, mind you, I'm like 21, my whole life ahead of me. But at the time I'm thinking like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Yeah. So it's kind of like a doomsday thought, right? Like it, it was like doomsday. It's almost like when you're that age, it's your first time failing at something big that you've yes. put that much time and energy into. And I feel like that's what makes it feel so high pressure because I, I mean, think about, you know, people that have worked mm -hmm. for 40 years or, you know, work till retirement. And then they finally retire and they have to go through a transition where they, they have to learn how to be retired. And I like, agree. what does that look like for them? But you almost have to mix that but with less experience, like you get a kid trying to figure that out. <laughs> right. You're not even fully developed as like an adult Absolutely. yet, um, which is crazy to think after, you know, in hindsight, you're, you always want to think, yeah, it's going to get better. People are telling me it's going to get better. Like I feel encouraged. I feel supported, all these things, but it's so easy to get stuck in that doomsday thought that you're, you're like, I failed at life. Like this was Absolutely. my thing. This is all I know. Like, if I don't know this, I don't have purpose. I don't know what I'm doing. Purpose. Yep. Where did you feel like you started to climb out of that? I love first. I love everything you just said. It, it resonated with me and it resonated. It resonates with the clients that I work with. So for me, I knew it started to slowly creep in that, my career is over, right? My my sports career is over. But I said, if I'm not going to be a high-level player, I'm going to be involved in sports somehow, right? And that and this goes back to the original story, story of, like, my love was still with basketball. So at the time, like, I really wanted to work for the NBA. Like, um, in hindsight, I didn't have a focus. I just wanted to, to work. I didn't care what it was, right? I didn't have, a, like, a job focus. So I, I took I took school more serious. Mm. So that was my thing. My my goal changed from being a high level player to being a high level professional in sports. So I took uh, I changed my major. I think I was majoring in maybe something in art or computer. I can't remember. But then when I came back home to the tri-state area, I enrolled in school and I majored in economics because I wanted to be I knew the business of basketball was was getting big started to read up on it like you know I was like immersed it was the first time I'll be honest the first time in my life that I actually cared about what I was studying in school you know okay. before that I was just like very I'm only getting these grades so I can play I know if I don't get good grades I can't play but now I was just like I actually want to learn this I actually want to be a good student so that's how I just immersed myself in being a, a professional I was going to say how important is it to go into college, even though you know you're playing your sport, but to go in with the mindset that I could not play my sport tomorrow. Am I in a major or am I in something that I am actually interested in and could pursue? I think um, the long answer is I think folks like me and you that work with athletes and administrators, coaches, even though we want to train these athletes and have them at a high level, we they should not suppress their interests. And what I mean by that is a lot of athletes are interested in a lot of other things other than sports, but it's almost a stigma when an athlete talks about anything else. They're like, you're not focused. 
you're not focused. So we start to suppress like our, our other identities. Um, I know I was always interested in business and economics. I was always the kid reading like the newspaper. My dad works for the daily news. So I used to have a newspaper every morning in the house, but yeah. it wasn't like, what are you doing reading that? Like read your plays or memorize the playbook or all these things. So I think it's important for the tribe that works around athletes to encourage that. I see a lot of that now, like content creators like yourself. Um, there's also like a focus on LinkedIn and, and about like, what does this person do off the court, off the field? And I think it's very important that folks that work around athletes to encourage that. Um, even it should start as young as, you know, high school sports or even younger than that. It's like, okay, like this is going to be the bridge. I think also just showing them the actual numbers, the actual facts of, being a, a first a NCAA or a JUCO athlete and then how hard it is to get to the top like don't be negative about it but just give them the reality of like it's hard to it's easier to be an accountant than to be a NBA player and that's okay either one is okay right, um, right. So I think it's just it's just important for the tribe to 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 encourage that no well said how did you find yourself in a position where you were able to start learning about other parts of yourself once you decided you wanted to be a professional in sports rather than a player? I think once I finally, I don't remember exactly, but I, I, when I finally just said, quote unquote, hung out my cleats, right? It wasn't my choice, but it kind of was my choice, right? Indirectly. Um, and then I just started, like I just said, I started just getting back to myself, like getting back to like what I like before sports, right? Like, oh, let me go to a museum. Let me go to Barnes and Noble for a couple of hours and read these books that you almost like, I, I forgot I used to like to read, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I forgot I used to like um, whatever it is that you like. So that it was like towards my senior-ish year of college when I'm about to graduate and get a real job, quote unquote, is when I just started like really immersing, like, what am I going to do? And I always had this thought of... um. I needed to be, I wanted to be the professional that Mark at 17, 18 needed. Mm. So that was like my new passion, my new drive, my new motivation. Like I needed, I was like, I don't want this to happen to the next person who's talented, who can do the things, but just so jaded by vanity metrics, so jaded by like, it's either the top or nothing. Um, obviously I have big dreams and all that, but you know, you still have to be you know, laser focus and just be authentic with yourself. Right. Like, yeah, I almost feel like our society works against that and pushes that narrative that you, you have to be all in and, and you have to think entitled to get anything when in reality, you know, oftentimes when you are authentic with yourself and right. real and humble and, you know, the focus isn't on yourself, those are, those things kind of happen as a byproduct of you being, you know, that kind of person rather than what the world tells you you should be. Well said. So I, I love that that's kind of where your headspace was at too. Do you think that was in response wanting to be what you're doing right now? Do you think that is in response to the pain of losing that dream of playing football at a high level? Yeah, I think it's a large, if there was a pie chart, that would be a definitely a large part of it. Um, it was, pain is the right, I never put it like that, but pain is the right, you know, I guess identity pain is like a new term we could we could coin of, 
it was just tough to to wrap my head around this is over especially you're still working out you're still talking to friends that play i had friends that were you know in different colleges playing at different levels and you talk to them this is you know when facebook was facebook and you just like you you miss that like i missed a lot of you know teammates i miss being in the locker room i miss you know game day competing at a high level competition all of those things I didn't miss. And then I just had to realize like you, you can take all of those aspects and put them into your real life. You know, you still need teamwork, communication, leadership, all of those things. And I don't care what facet, what industry, what level of professional, you need all of those skills. So yeah, that definitely drove me to saying like, I'm going to still not only be in sports, but I started to realize I have longevity in this, you know, what Tom Brady retired at 42, he's a young, he's like considered a young man. Like he still has years and years and years of his life. People mm-hmm. think like the word retire means like beach house. I don't do anything for the rest of my life, but you got folks that are retiring at 25 from, from sports. So like we need to give them a runway. And that's what I did. I, I, I use my situation and my pain and my story. And I just push to my passion. Yeah. That's so good. How did you go about naming those intangible assets that you got from playing sports and started implementing them into what you were doing in your professional life? I started to around, you know, around junior and senior year, I started to have, you know, internships, interviews and, and you know, real interviews for full time roles. And I just started to hear a lot of these buzzwords, even on job descriptions, you would see like the ability to be a leader, the being a good teammate and, and communication Work under skills. high pressure. Right. And literally, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this is all the stuff that I did. So before I had work experience, this is what I would say in an internship. Tell me, MC, tell me about a time that you did X, Y, and Z. And I would just like, well, I don't have any experience to in a job to say, yeah, when I was working at the bank. So I would use these examples from sports. And, you know, I got a couple internships just off that. I got a couple of people saying, like, we love athletes. You know, mm-hmm. you, you guys work hard, you do this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Until I just finally build up real professional experience. And then I intertwine both stories. When I was an athlete, I did this. When I was an intern, I did this. And then I just started literally building up on that. And still to this day, it depending on the role or the, the business partner that I'm talking to, I'll use examples of that. Yeah, that is such a, I think it's overlooked when you are, quote unquote, trying to start over because you're not starting over. Technically you're starting from experience and that doesn't negate what you did as an athlete and what you did, you know, regardless of how long your career was, you were still in that atmosphere and learning those same lessons that other players are learning, which is different than what your other peers were doing that did not play sports. And I found that naturally, I think athletes do rise you know, to the top because of that. And and I'm not from like an arrogant perspective, but you know, you go through lots of things that, you know, people don't, um, when they don't play sports, you know, it's such a like pressure cooked, high pressure situation, especially when you get to like a higher level where you don't, um, you know, where you're, you're kind of encountering those situations where you would learn those kinds of lessons. Do you, did you feel confident knowing that the experience that you had as a player um, was going to help support you when you started to get professional um, experience? Yes, absolutely. Again, I love what you said and I agree. 
um, for anyone listening to this, that's, um, you know, there's a misconception that athletes go to college and like people are writing papers for them and not going to class. Like you got to realize student athletes have a coursework that they have to uphold for eligibility and they have to be an athlete, study hall, travel. Um, they still have to learn plays. There's a lot of pressure in college sports. There's a lot of pressure in the classroom. So you're already, you know, no offense, like you said, not being arrogant, but like a normal student, they still have to study and stuff like that. But they might just be doing 15 credits of coursework where you're doing 12 as an athlete, you're doing 12 credits and you're also an athlete. So I definitely think it's transferable. Um, you're starting to see jobs and the job market, like look for those type of things. And athlete skills are being more transferable. Like it's, now it's cooler to say like, hey, I was doing um I got a degree and I and I was a four year player like that's a very big deal. Even if you one year, two year college, whatever, whatever it is, you know, you're building tangible skills for that professional level is a whole different thing. Like adversity is you're a professional athlete. Adversity is literally every day. You know, there's pressure, there's coaches, you know, you don't have that student athlete excuse to fall back on. So you're even I have a, you know. I know plenty of athletes that, you know, go overseas that are American, have to learn a new language. Their coach doesn't speak their language. Mm, So not only do they have to practice, they have to get a translator. They have to learn. You know, imagine when you were playing, if you you didn't know what your coach said, you had to look at a team and say, what did that, what did she say? You know, (laughs) (laughs) know what I mean? So it's all of these things, like you can tell a hiring manager, you can tell, even if you're an entrepreneur, you know, all of these skills when, when, in an entrepreneurial journey, if you hit adversity, you know, you can go back to that time. Remember when we were in the championship and Europe and that we were in the, the opposing gym and all of these things. Um, you know, I think it's a misconception that, you know, society looks at the top 1% of athletes and they say like, well, you could do that too. Like, why don't you just do that? And there's the 99% that are just, we're all regular people, but definitely, We've been through some things that most people can, can't say that they that they have. So that's important. The only parallel I've been able to make a connection with so far, and not saying that there's not more, um, are actually people in the military. Yes. Salute to them. Yeah. My, my brother was a Marine. Oh, yeah. You said but, that. Yeah. Um, but I found a lot of similarities in yes. the lessons that you learn and also the transition into civilian life, literally civilian life for them, yes. but like, you know, metaphorically yes. for us, um, yes. which I find very fascinating because that's also another high pressure situation, which I can't Absolutely. speak to you at all, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but both require a lot of support. I think, do you, did you feel like you had support when you started to kind of transition away from being an athlete and you were you know, discovering that you wanted to be a high level professional in the industry rather than just a player. There was support. Um, and I would say it's going to sound negative. It was, sound, it was inconsistent support from like the masses, like hiring managers. Some of them love sports. And as you know, some people like despise, like, I don't care about sports. What was your coursework? What was your GPA? Yeah. Um, I, again, going back to the identity piece, I led with that. You know, I I didn't shy away from being an athlete. Um, It worked more times than it didn't work. I would say that there wasn't a support. And, you know, I can only speak to my experience from like the school 
um, and just talking and doing research and, and over the last 10 years of, you know, it's tough that the school, the school has academic advisors, athletic advisors, but they're working in the school system. So like when you graduate the alumni network in some systems, I know in New York city systems was a little bit lacking as far as like the outreach after you actually graduate. Um, so I didn't, I didn't see that in the market which is why I do what I do now. Like, I didn't really see that in the market where it's like, all right, this athlete, even though they graduated five years ago, can we still find a way to help them? Because as you know, athletes have a specific skill set. You know, a lot of them weren't in the student body president. Some of them are, kudos to them. But a lot of them, again, they're they're working out, they have study hall, they're traveling, their schedule is different. So leaving that, and then at the professional level, it's tough, you know, the NBA has a couple of things, the NFL, but like a lot of these smaller leagues, you know, these overseas leagues for for Americans, they don't really have, you know, a person or, or team that's like really. And if they do, you know, someone call me out for it. I would love to meet with them anyway. But uh, a lot of the Americans, especially that go overseas and they come back, there's not really a system in place and they feel a lot lost mm-hmm. in you know, who do I talk to? Who who understands me, right? Like who who's been through what I've been through, at least at a micro level, that can help me get to the next level. That's so important. So now Absolutely. let's get into what you do now. Sure. I feel like we've kind of teased it this entire yeah. uh, conversation. <laughs> so kind of give me a rundown of what you're doing now and and how you're helping athletes. So yeah, I appreciate it. Um I have an agency called Crown Madison. Um, so we do day-to-day athlete representation, but what we also do is athlete career transitions. So like me and MC were talking about, we talk to athletes that are retired. And when I say retired, it can be a 22-year-old that retired, they're done with college sports, or it could be a 62-year-old that, you know, retired from a league, wants to do speaking engagements, wants to go on board of directors, executive leadership. And we literally do coaching with them, career development. So anything from an athlete that didn't have a resume, you know, I've had athletes in their 20s that are saying, I played sports since I was 10. I don't have a resume. I never had a job. Mm-hmm. And then I have folks um, a bit older, you know, my parents' age are sometimes older that are saying like, hey, I was doing real estate and now I just kind of want to get into, you know, speaking engagement. I, I had a client that wanted to do a lot of Title IX um, speaking engagements for college sports. So the athlete career transitions is is our passion. It's our main focus right now. Um, and that's why, you know, the reason I found your platform and I appreciate your platform is because more athletes need to understand, like, maybe it's not high level, it's not sexy, so to speak, but there are folks like me and I know a lot of people talk to Sean, shout outs to him that was yeah, on your platform that are, that are doing the work that, again, I created Crown Madison because I needed Crown Madison 10 years ago. So that's, that's really my passion. And um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the work. I love talking to athletes. I love, you know, breaking down, like you're good at what you do. Let's just figure out like the, the conversation we had, like when we talk about transferable skills, the light, you see, start, start seeing the light bulb go off. Like, Oh yeah. Like I actually did go through adversity. I actually am a high level yeah. former leader, et cetera. Why is it so important to know what skills you have and how to make them transferable in a different season of your life? Again, I think I think society and, you know, just the masses, whether it's sports media, 
we highlight a person like if a person retires or has a bad game like we literally go from zero to 100 like we don't want their autograph we think they're hard about their job and even those those low moments those high moments that's just a game like life is going to go on i promise you like life will go on when you're done with your career um you have many years of your quote-unquote prime i'm using all the sports isms like you have many years of your problems and you can make impact into either companies, society. You know, I have a lot of athletes that want to be entrepreneurs. That's great too. You know, we meet you where you are and we will, we'll just take you to where you want to be. You know, um, not everyone could be LeBron James. If you look at LeBron's salary, not to count his pockets, he doesn't really need a career coach, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's doing okay. <laughs> I think he's fine, you know, but out of, for every one LeBron James, you know, there's 400, other players in the league, you know, and that's just the NBA. We're not even talking about lower leagues. I see women's sports doing the, a good job. Shout out to all the women's um, athletes too, like yourself. Let's go. Um, they definitely, uh, I will say just a little disclaimer, women athletes are a pleasure to coach because they kind of get it quicker, you know, for whatever <laughs> reason. We'll take <laughs> it. Kinda, and, and it's probably because, you know, you know, there's a salary, discussion for another for another day there's an exposure discussion but um i think we got to understand a lot of there's a lot of athletes in the day-to-day -day that are doing great jobs at the ceo level all the way down to to associates and stuff like that and it's because of sports a lot of times it's because of what we learn it's because of the training mm -hmm. it's because of what we've been through as athletes a lot of times for for folks is entertainment and now we just want a fair shot and saying like I can do something else. I'm not just I I'm not just tall and can jump high. Like I could lead teams. Mm -hmm. I can make impact in companies. I can make impacts in industries. So I think that's very important. Absolutely. And just to remind people of who they are in general. Yeah. You know? And I think that goes back to the identity piece where you are more than just being able to jump high and you are more than just being able to, you know, run the 100 in however right, many whatever. seconds. You know, there's so many other facets to you that are, while those things are phenomenal, there are even more phenomenal things, you know, about a person that, that people won't elevate for you. So it's, Absolutely. it's so important to have that community and, and support group and, and people like pointing those things out in you, like good friends being like, no, this is who you are. Don't forget it. You are more than what you just did. And people will value you for more than what you just you know, what you just accomplished in the season of your life. That was, you know, maybe the, a long season in your life. It might've been 10 years, it might've been five years, you know, in whatever sense that is, but there's so much, if you can, I don't know. I always had this thought when I was thinking about retiring, if I can do this and get to this level playing soccer and do the things that I just did, what's to say that I can't do something even Literally. more or better, or like, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the mount highest mountaintop I'm about to climb, you know, in my lifetime. But in order to find out, you know, what that mountaintop is, I have to be willing to walk off that mountaintop, you know, and Absolutely. walk through some weird, you know, roads all and paths it, right. and valleys and all, all the things it. and, and, you know, put myself through those things to find it, but it's so worth it. Yes. What I tell clients and you could, you could relate to this. Like, remember your first day, if you can, your first day ever signing up for soccer, right? 
So that's one thing. Put that in the box, write that down, journal that. Then think about that day, whether it was the summer, whether it was training camp, when you just didn't have it. Think about that. Put that in the box. Now you're starting to build stories mm-hmm. of transferable skills. Think about your best day, that the day you got, you know, player of the game, player of the week, trophies and stuff like that. So all of these are little things that you can start to do the storytelling when you're speaking at networking events. You know, athletes hate networking events. Quite frankly, most people do. But these are the, the stories that people want to hear, right? These are right. The, these are the things that companies are looking for. Um, if you look at job descriptions, you'll see all the, the required skills. And, it's, you know, 90% of them an athlete has already done, you know, prior to. So I think it's important. I, I, I resonate with what you said for sure. Yeah. Is there uh so like what are what are you doing now with your um company? So like you're you're coaching with athletes one on one and then what are do you have anything special coming up? Are you like planning anything that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so we have I'm I'm constantly as an entrepreneur trying to figure out what my audience listens to, reads, and how they take in information. Obviously, the majority of our work is one on one. You know, I, I'll meet with a person. We'll do like a career audit, so to speak. I mean, that's where we meet you where you're at. And then we put together a comprehensive plan. But right now, you know, I'm putting together, maybe by the time this is out, it'll be out and an online course. Um, it's going to be something that you can take in a weekend. Um, if you if you like, where it's going to be four parts, we're going to talk about a little bit of the athlete's identity. And we're going to talk about some professional branding skills that translate. And it's going to be quick. It's going to be on a teachable platform, you know, something that a person could just purchase, take it. And then before they meet with me, they already have a quote unquote prerequisites. So then we could hit the ground running. Right. Because mm-hmm. I notice a lot of athletes um, now are millennials or I think it's Gen Z. So the um, way they consume in uh, <laughs> coursework is, is a lot different, you know. So be on the lookout for that. You can go to our website, Crown Dash Madison and sign up to be on a wait list for that should be out uh, within the next couple of weeks. Awesome. That's so exciting. Yes. I, I'm, I'm excited. I put a lot of work into it. I got a lot of advisory from, you know, even folks like you just, I learn something new every time I speak to an athlete or a former athlete. And I'm just trying to make this, I'm trying to make this normal, right? I'm trying to make this part normal of sports agencies. Like, yes, you could do NIL brand deals, um, negotiate contracts, but what about the other part? What about, you know, building up this person into a, a professional in society? So good. Yeah. I mean, man, I love the work that you do. Like I really do. It's it's Appreciate awesome. It. Appreciate it. You too. I love this. Uh, I just want to give you your flowers while we're recording. Like this is a great platform. I found you, I found you doing research, right? I found you doing research on like athletes and like different content creators. And I love, you know, yeah, not only your talent as as a an interviewer, but just the platform that you have. I I appreciate the the opportunity. Oh, thank you. I of need course, that. Of course. <laughs> I of course, appreciate of it. Um. Well, uh, is there anything else on your mind? Anything that you want to add to the end of this conversation, or um, that you want to share? I think um for folks watching this, athletes, non athletes, I'm pretty sure you have an athlete in your life you know, start to start to just change the narrative of the conversations you're having with them, you know, ask them how they're doing, you know, there's a mental health aspect, but also like, Hey, I never knew you were interested in, I don't know, board games or, you know, 
we're always on as athletes, especially when we're playing. We're always on. We got pressure from parents. We got pressures from fans, coaches, school, whatever it is, family. Just start to speak to them like you would speak to your friend that works at a law firm, you know, and they'll appreciate that. And you'll make it more normal for them to talk about, you know, other things besides sports. So that, that That's um, I'm just trying to change that narrative as well. That's great. I think that it starts there too. It's, it's the Absolutely. repetition of changing that circle, narrative. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So good. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking and um, I, I hope that uh, my audience will be able to take something from all of your Absolutely. story. Cause it was, you have a great story and it's very powerful and impactful. And I appreciate you being vulnerable enough to share it with us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Just felt, just felt good saying it, saying it out loud. So appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh, one more thing. Stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends, that is all she wrote. I'll see you next week.